Hi, Hunters. Thank you for tuning into the Flushman and Dustin podcast brought to you by Nick and Tyler, the boys from Ringnecks and Retrievers. In this podcast, we will talk about guns, dogs, gear, and our successes and failures in the field through our combined 40 years of experience. We speak with hunters just like you from across the nation about their days in the field and the many memories they built with their friends and family. We are excited to have you listen. Now let's get to Flushman and Dustin. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's Nick here and Tyler with uh, Ringnecks and Retrievers and the Flushman Dustin podcast. We have a very special guest tonight, one that's very close to my heart. Uh, not only a mentor, a coach, a teacher, uh, dog trainer, hunter, best friend. Uh, he's many things to me. Um, so I just wanted to give him that introduction because I really appreciate who he is. And today we're going to just get right into it. This is Brian Sorensen. He is from Guttenberg, Iowa. And Brian, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself um, and how you got into hunting. And you can take it all the way back to, uh, you know, when you got into Guttenberg and how that all kind of happened. Thank you very much, Nick. And, uh, you know, it's my pleasure to talk to uh, the best conservationists that are out there. And I appreciate the audience because uh, they're really the people that keep uh, our hunting uh, recreation going. So. Uh, thanks a lot for those of you that are listening out there. First of all, it's uh, a real pleasure to kind of get away from Nick in high school. <laughs> he had a very uh, big habit of uh, rubbing my head uh, all the time. And it was he called it good luck. It was good luck. It was good luck. <laughs> well, we won a lot of ball games, Nick. Um, my name is Brian Sorensen. I'm a rural guy, country guy. Grew up on a farm in uh, north central Iowa in Hancock County. And uh, my dad taught me a lot of uh, about work ethic on the farm, of course. And uh, we always had a farm dog like most people have. And his name was Rex. But Rex uh, just brought the cows up at night, basically, and uh, sat in open gates. Yep. Didn't let any hogs or cattle through. And that's how he was trained. But he wasn't anything like the retrievers you guys own. Uh, you guys own very highly trained, uh, and I would say, to some extent, elite animals, you know? Oh, and, oh uh, yeah. And that's what it's all about. So, They're athletes. Um, They're complete athletes. Yep. I'm currently employed. Uh, I'm a retired science teacher, basketball coach, and I'm currently employed by the USDA. And uh, my job, basically, is to protect uh, the uh, trees in, in Iowa from uh, various invasive pests uh, that have come into our country. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing currently. So if you have a bug that you can't identify, send it to Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I was a teacher, I used to get a lot of bugs uh, sent to me by different people wondering what they were, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. So a little entomology, that, that was a course that I took uh, um, up in a f um, field biology lab after I got out of Vietnam and I was uh, doing some, um, picking up some credits uh, post BA po and um, I was up in Bemidji uh, took taking a, an entomology class to the University of uh, Minnesota. Oh, it was wow. a fun class. Yeah. You know, and I'll just stop right there and, uh, you know, I know everybody on our call and Tyler and myself, we appreciate your service so thank you for that oh. <laughs> so brian why mr Sorensen, why don't you get into it you know what how did you get into hunting i'm not even sure if i really know that story and then yeah. secondly how did you get to the dog training part of it like what brought you to that that point in your life where you're like all right this yeah. is what i want to do and uh how long have you trained dogs like how long did you do that for okay First of all, feel very comfortable to call me by my first name. That's, that's just fine. Um, well, just to have it. <laughs> Coach. <laughs> well, I started hunting pheasants on my dad's farm in 1957. Oh, down to the date. And I hunted with a side-by-side uh, 12-gauge -side double barrel that didn't have a bead and it had a cracked stock. <laughs> Is that one barrel was modified and the other one was full? Is that why you can't lift your right arm? 
kick well, you know what? It was a better gun than that Russian 11 pounder that you used to carry. <laughs> I did have a, I did have a little bitch thing that was heavy as shit. Yeah, you probably never told people about that Russian gun that you used to carry. No, I did not. <laughs> anyway, um, I, uh, you know, I wanted my children to grow up with pets basically. And probably you guys do too. And, yeah. uh, we had, we had some cats and stuff, but when my wife and I bought our first puppy, that kind of changed the dynamics. We really liked dogs. And uh, my first dog's name was Hacksaw, and he was a black lab, and I knew nothing about training, but I wanted him to be obedient, and I wanted him to have good manners. So I started out just by myself doing the research. And in those days, it was basically reading a lot of books for me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so for uh, you, the best book I ever came are... across was James Lamfrey. And that was the Bible of retrieving. And uh, I learned a lot from that. And um, so that's kind of how I got started. I don't want to interrupt you there, Sorensen. But yeah. for those out there that are a little younger, there was no YouTube back then. You know, you no. couldn't just hop on Google and type it in. Yes. He was putting in long hours, working hard, reading these books, and then trying to figure it out. I did. And, um, you know, I love to read at night before I go to bed. And I probably don't read as much as my wife does by any, by any means. She's, she's a tremendous reader. But I do like to read. And um, James Lamfrey was a book that I just couldn't put down because I couldn't wait to use those drills when the time was right. And, um, you know, um, I got real lucky in that I wanted to become better and I found a, uh, a, a, a retriever club called the Big Wapsie Hunting Retriever Club. And I want to give those guys so much credit because each and every member brought a little information that somebody else probably didn't have to the party. And, uh, we met once a month, and uh, when we met that month, we would have our own field trial for the members. And uh, we even had our own ribbons that we p- handed out if our dogs got a pass. Oh, yeah. And so you trained to become proficient at your uh, own uh, um, your own hunting club's trial. And we were affiliated with the United Kennel Club. And I particularly like the United Kennel Club because it was by the hunters for the hunters. Yep. And uh, it wasn't 300, 400 yard blind retrieves. It, it, yeah. was, it was very realistic in, uh, to hunting uh, experiences that you would come across. And we didn't, uh, well, UKC doesn't um, uh, focus on just land or just water it focuses on both pheasants and 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 waterfowl both nice and i liked that about it mm-hmm. but uh, but those i i can't say enough about the members and i had a mentor as well he was a pro but he was also a biology teacher like me he lived in he taught in old wine and his name is clark campbell some of your listeners might know who that man is but i want to give him a lot of credit because he taught me he taught me a lot so that's how I got into kind of into the training part of it. Um, as you know, one thing after another snowballs, right? Right, yep. Tyler, you've been there. I'm oh, sure. yeah. yeah. And uh, that's kind of fun, isn't it? Because it brings up challenges. And if, if you're like me, you really like challenges. I, yeah. I, you're that's, the kind of guy that loves that, don't you? Yeah. And that's the fun part that I'm having with, with my dog is I, I'm kind of like the same shoes you were when you started. I don't have much background experience these are my first hunting dogs and my mentor is with the times have changed mine's online you know and yours was more in person Mm -hmm. Um, so it's i think we're on the similar boat just different uh yours is an in-person one mine's just not an in-person one and it's it's awesome watching your dogs just progress it's pretty cool yes and it's awesome to watch your dogs progress kind of from the first ones that you had to kind of where I ended up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And you can be very proud of the work you put in no matter how far you go, you know, and um, 
So um, the, the thing about the UKC that I want to say is that you don't compete against another dog. You compete against a standard. And because you compete against that standard, it takes a lot of judging politics out of it. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of, uh, you know, the problems you could have from trainer to trainer yep. out of it because you're not competing against that dog. You're competing against standards yeah. at uh, the beginner level, started level, and championship level, you know. So yep. that's, that, that to me was very appealing. I really I like that aspect of it because you could go to the bar at night and be friends, you know. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Differences, but you guys are still friends. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you can have differences and still be friends. Yeah, absolutely. How many uh how many dogs did you take through UKC uh through your time training them? Personally, uh I well I I helped take a lot of other dogs to trials yeah. and run them in trials for other people. And uh, they weren't my dogs, but they were trained and I knew them because I saw them frequently. And uh, because I trained with guys more than just once a month, the same guys, mm -hmm. we would train together. Um, and then we would meet that one time during the month for a formal trial. But personally, Tyler, I just took one dog, my, my one dog, my last one. And uh, had I known more, you know, the trainer has to be trained. Yep, that's right. And, and of course, I was in the process of being trained when I kind of first got started. And um, had I known a lot more, all three of my dogs would have been outstanding as it was, I got one where I wanted her to go, and she turned out to be just second to none. She was she was an outstanding animal, and she she did things the right way, and and was consistent. Every, I mean, you could count on her. You know, yep. when you went to the line in a field trial without a leash, you didn't have to worry if she was going to break. She was gonna she was gonna sit there, and she was gonna wait until you gave her a release command. Yeah, awesome. so. I didn't pee my pants too many times with her, but uh, once in a while. I would recommend field trials, and the reason I recommend them is simply because it gets you training 365 days a year, pretty yeah. much. You know, you train all the time because, yep. you know, you might want to take your dog to a trial, and that's really why I like uh, and recommend entering a field trial. Gives you something to work towards. It's something to work towards, yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I'm waiting for Tyler to enter his dogs in uh next year probably. I don't know if this year is gonna work out with COVID no, and everything. I but. thought about it this year and then obviously COVID came up. Uh and then I you talked about, you know, peeing your pants. I think I'd have a pretty wet pants if I uh, entered them this year. So I'm hoping <laughs> next year uh, they make just they make me nervous. They make, like they make the pens, man. They make the pens. Oh, I don't even know. I'm gonna need them. I'm gonna friggin' need them. You right. know, Tyler, you enter in that uh, first class. Yeah. No matter how far along you are in your training, enter in that low-level class, that yeah. started class. If it's UKC, it's called started. Yeah. You do that, and that's designed to to hook hunters to yeah. get them to come back again and again. It's like hitting a good golf shot man, once you do it, you want to do it again, you know? Yeah. Yep. And so that's what I would recommend. No matter how far along your training is, mm -hmm. go ahead, uh, enter them in started uh, instead of seasoned. Seasoned is the next step in UKC. And that way it gives you confidence, gives your dogs confidence, and you kind of know what to expect because you can go to other venues yeah. and you watch those other venues perform and you say, oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is going to be awesome when I get to that stage, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, when I did mine, I had to have Sorensen walk these to the line for me because I had torn ACL. MCL. I, couldn't <laughs> even, right. I, couldn't even, yeah. I couldn't even walk them. And it was like, of course, it was down a little bit of an embankment, and it was all wet because everybody's walking up and down it. Yeah. That's crazy. Talk about and that's kind of why I stopped training, Nick, is because uh, my knees were, as you know, my knees were, were, were so bad, and I eventually had double bypass uh, knee replacement surgery, and that's kind of why he's I had got four-wheel drive knees, and he's yeah. back on the basketball court. <laughs> Now's when I need a dog, Nick. 
<laughs> now is when you do need a dog. Now is when I need a dog in that mud, you know? Yep. That's right. Absolutely. Need a big hoss. So, but, uh, go ahead, Tyler. You can go ahead, Nick. No, no, nope, nope, go. The topic, you go. You go. About the, the dogs. What, uh, what was the dog you were talking about that you took? Can you kind of uh, go into a little more detail on her? Before we, before we get to that, can we back up and just say, you know, what got you hooked on labs or retrievers? You know, because that's mm-hmm. kind of what, you know, obviously yeah. I don't care what dog you use, but I think that'll be interesting to go yeah. to that aspect and then right into Nestle. Yeah. I really gave that a lot of uh, thought because I had a friend that had a German wire hair and had, that dog was smoking on pheasants. <laughs> Incredible animal. Had another friend that had a Brittany Spaniel, also incredible animal uh, on pheasants. And so I gave a lot, some different species uh, some thought. But what I was doing, Nick, was a lot of waterfowling. Yep. And I wanted, uh, and, and as I looked around, you know, I kept, I kept coming back to labs. I, I, I looked at all the species that love to retrieve in water, and doggone it, I just kept coming back to labs. You know, a lab has the right demeanor because I had younger children. My wife and I had younger children at the time. Yep. And uh, so I liked the demeanor. I liked the short coat. Uh, less likely to pick up stickers and burrs when I when I pheasant hunt. Ask, ask Tyler about that. <laughs> you know, it, yeah, you know, you can put all the Vaseline on them you want, you know, and, and pull the burrs. Oh, out. whoa, 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 PG Sorensen, <laughs> what are we talking about here? Vaseline. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I should be clearer, right? <laughs> and also, a lab is a really strong swimmer. You know, they aren't like the old. Uh, uh, commercial duck days where a guy bought a chessy, left his ducks in the uh, duck boat overnight, and tied his Chesapeake up to the duck boat to protect his ducks. <laughs> no, that's a chessy yet today. They got an attitude for the most part. And, um, and if I tied my dog up to a duck boat to protect the, the ducks, you know, they'd lick the guy to death before he left with all the ducks, you know? They'd, yep. They, they just lick him to death. Well, anyway, I love the, I love the dog's re- demeanor. And I love that wide chest. Man, they can swim and they, can, they, they swim hard. And, uh, and they have this, for the most part, they have this never give up attitude and they want to please the, their, their owner uh, a great deal. And I love you know, all of that about them. I want to interject there because I can remember back um, when I was – looking for a dog and your comment of pleasing your owner you made the comment and this was probably a couple years ago but it stuck with me you know retrievers labs and goldens they are we dogs so they want to hunt with you and work with you or there are sometimes our dogs out there that are me dogs where they won't listen to you and they'll just they're just doing what the hell they want to do they don't give a shit what you say oh absolutely yeah and, you know, it's, it, you know, the odds are in your favor when you pick the species that we, we hunt with, you and I. Yep. Uh, but, you know, it's still a roll of the dice once in a while if you're going to get one that really has the kind of traits that you want in a dog, whatever that might be. Some, do, some guys want a, a racehorse greyhound type lab, not me, you know. I, I want that more traditional uh, yep. British look. Mm-hmm. Big deep chest, uh, short couple, uh, that otter tail. I, I want all of that, you know. But I don't want. They're training now because they, in hunt tests, they want those dogs to be faster. Oh, and, are they? uh, they're, they're training them to be a more of a lean kind of lab, and it does. It just doesn't appeal to me. But that's okay. I mean, it appeals to somebody out there. Yep. Yep. So can you dive dive in a little bit more on? Uh, it's a chocolate lab. I guess I didn't catch your name. I think Nick said it. Yeah, you know, I'll 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 kind of give you a, a thumbnail sketch of all three of those dogs that I had that were really really good. If you, if if you have time and if you'd like to hear. Oh it. yeah, we got time. We do. We got it's time. just a short. Our listeners want to hear it. Thumbnail deal. The first thing you know, we were talking about training, and um, I think I'd like to just interject something there with new trainers, and that is, um, you're going to get frustrated. And you're going to have frustrating moments, and you need to, need to exercise quite a bit of, of patience, you know. Yeah. And um, I, I think you just need to um, 
make sure that you know who you are and who your dog is. And then don't, don't give up, you know, keep, keep at it and good things will happen for you. Yeah. Uh, almost all dog at some point in training goes through a period, a time zone where he says, okay, I've had enough of this and I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to cooperate and I'm just going to be my own deal. Well, put him up, put him in the kennel. Don't just feed and water him for a week or so. And he's going to be ready to go when you, when you go back out in a week or so. Yeah. But, uh, but don't give up. And I want those new trainers to, um, to stay with it because you'll never have a more rewarding experience when you get the product you want. Uh, whatever that might be. Yep. And I, I guess you, you'd like me to talk a little bit about some of the dogs, yep. I guess, right? Well, might as well. That's what we're here for. Well, one of the, one of the things I like, love to train for, by the way, is tracking. I'll give you a quick story. Yeah. Clark Campbell came to my place. We had snow about a, uh, oh, six, seven inches on the ground. He always had uh, winged ducks with him. Um, and, uh, it was about 11 o'clock and he goes outside and he says, come 11, with me, Sorensen. 11 o'clock at night? 11 o'clock at night and he says, come with me, Sorensen. And, and uh, he took this duck out and he, uh, he had it tied on a twine string and he kind of dragged it all over the place. And then we put a, post, a stick in the ground and he let that duck go. Now, you know where I live. I live on a yep. ridge and it's timbered all around me. And uh, that duck started waddling away and he said, let's go inside and have a beverage and and uh, watch some TV. And I said, okay. Now this is my mentor talking. And uh, he's got a dog that had won a championship in UKC, AKC, and NARA. One of three dogs to have done that at that time. And the dog's name was Tar. Wow. And I got to take and train with that dog. Incredible experience. So at 12 o'clock, an hour later, we go back out. And I said, Clark, what are you going to do? He said, we're tracking. He said, I've, we're, we're, I've been training for tracking. We'll see if this works. And uh, I said, what? I said, we got deer all over the place. I said, you might not get that dog back. He said, okay, I lost a dog. <laughs> like, and he, and I, what I remember was he was not in the least worried at all. That's so crazy. he takes Tar out there and he takes him and Tar's got the scent right away. Right. Yep. And we're standing there and talking 15 minutes later, we hear, <laughs> the dog had grabbed that duck at the bottom of the hill west of where I live, Nick. Yeah, it's way down and there. In a, and in about 10 minutes later, up he, wa up he came and delivered that dog to hand to Clark. That was a training thing. I said, I'm going to do some training exercises <laughs> from now on. Yeah. It, was just a, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> and, you know? and, and, of course, tracking is a lot of fun. You've all you've, oh, yeah. you've been watching your dog when they've, when they've tracked, you know? Yep fun to fun to train that way but anyway yeah, no, absolutely i had three really good dogs the first dog's name was hacksaw i'll give you a little bit of a deal about each one of them uh, he could have been really a, a he could, maybe could have been my best dog if i would known anything but at that time the trainer hadn't been trained yep and so all i could do is all i knew and that was to read a book and do what i could do but um he um he had, um, he had an experience that I have to that I have to tell you about. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, I was pheasant hunting with uh, Ed Dvorak and Mike Sass and uh, yep. and uh, George Killian and and those guys. And um, we, sh I I don't know who shot the bird. I think I did, but I mean that's what man. Tyler always says too. When one goes <laughs> oh down. come on! <laughs> come on. <laughs> didn't even shoot. Well, I think I got that one. Oh okay. <laughs> But Hacksaw was on him. He was on that rooster like crazy. And as he's coming back across this plowed field, Hacksaw notoriously had a soft mouth, but that bird flew out of his mouth. Now Hacksaw, and had to be shot again. That bird had to be shot twice. And uh, he flew right out of Hacksaw's mouth. Hacksaw really had a soft mouth. Now he's coming across a plowed field. Maybe he stumbled a little bit and maybe that contributed to it. I don't know. But yeah. that was one experience I remember with Hacksaw. Along comes uh, a dog uh, by the name of Spike. He's another black lab male. Yep. And uh, Spike was an incredible dog. He hunted with that German wire hare and that Brittany Spaniel. And the three of those made great, great, tri great triple. They, helped, they, 
they honored each other. The thing about my dog is that sometimes those darn birds will get right down in the water in a creek if you're hunting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And or maybe you'll drop one in a pond or something. I got the dog that goes and gets those kind of birds. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. and so that's what I remember about our hunts with those other birds. One other thing, and I didn't tell this story very often, and the reason is because at that time, most people probably wouldn't believe it, but bald eagles were making a comeback. And uh, out in Ferry Slough, there was an island called Drakehorn Island and had two dead trees on it with branches. And there was always an eagle that was a bald eagle that was sitting up in that dead tree. Well, it's one point in time, I shot this uh, duck, crippled it, and it was pr probably a pretty hard cripple, but the current was going south. Nick knows where I'm, yep. I've taken Nick oh, yeah. right there many times. Well, I don't know about many, but I, I know I took him enough times there that he, he missed a lot of birds. <laughs> we in, the truth is finally <laughs> No, I'm just shitting him. Nick is a hell of a shot. Even with that big old Russian gun, once that thing got swinging, you couldn't stop it, you know, and <laughs> unbelievable. But I sh anyway, hey, I, I shot, shot this. A, <laughs> shot a double once. Out of the I shot this duck, and he's in the current. He's going south, Nick. And all of a sudden, this eagle comes out of the tree, and this eagle is going after that cripple. And it was a race between my dog, Spike, and that doggone <laughs> mallard. And I'm standing on the top of my, on the front of my boat, my John boat, on the deck. And I'm stomping up and down trying to scare that eagle. Some guy yells, shoot that damn bird. <laughs> right. Well, Spike got to him first and brought him back. But uh, that, was, that was a hunt with that, with that animal. Wow. And then the last one I've got to tell you about, and I'll try to make it short here. But it was uh, Ferry Slough with my rail boat blind Nick. Yep. Ferry Slough there. And I uh, shot a Drake Mallard. And what was her and name? Nestle. Yes, and, and, and uh, so, she was oh, she was a seventy pound uh, chocolate. You went to two males, and then your last one was a female. Can I ask why you you made that switch? What was yeah, the you know, process there? I just wanted a chocolate. I had two girls. I wanted a female. Yeah. I wanted to have a litter with my daughters. They each got when she did have a litter. Uh, I, I got little, little bitty doll bottles and I got milk for dogs and my girls got to feed those puppies because Nestle had 11 pups. And so it was kind of hard for her to feed all those. And so the girls helped her out a lot. A lot. Anyway, I, I wanted that for my girls experience of babies, baby puppies. I hope my and wife Nest doesn't listen to this. I don't need those kind of ideas around here. Right yeah. Now. Well, Nestle was, <laughs> she really did the job. But back to this story on, on this animal, she, she, she saw that bird get hit. It locked up its wings when it got hit, you know, it didn't keep flying. And all of a sudden, beyond Ferry Slough East there, there's a rise, yep. you know? Yep. That bird folded up and went down, and Nestle saw all that. Yeah, what would you say that is? That's, give us a, what would you say, 300 yards? No, you know, the Two? width on that. It's pretty long, right? Yeah, it's it's a hundred yards for sure. Absolutely, you know, maybe more, Nick. I I couldn't tell you. I'd, I've never taken a, and ranged it. I know it's a long way and it's got well, current. Do you still have some rulers from high school? You could just lay them in the water and. <laughs> I got a I got a ranger range finder. Oh, there you go. But anyway, Nick, um, Nestle marked that bird, and she had to go out over the trance, over a gas tank, over a transom because we were in a rail blind, right? Yep. She couldn't go out where she normally stood. She had to take, and she dove off the back end of that, into the current, swam across, which is a long, you know how wide yeah, it is. You know, it's really and I long. Think, I think the important thing here too, Sorensen, is the marking ability of Nestle, because when you're in river water, river current, mm -hmm. that's a whole new ball game from yeah. pond. Because I remember yeah. when we did some training with diesel and stuff out in the water like that, Yep. It was a new ball game from the pond stuff, but sorry, anyway. Well, I, I took um, the dog that you named after a mountain. What was the yellow lab that you had? Denali. I, Denali. I took and hunted Denali out there without you a couple yep. times. Yeah, you did. You know, but at any rate, I trained out there in Nestle, and, and you're absolutely right, but the biggest thing is she gets to the other bank. She stops and looks back, and I gave her a back yep. hand signal, you know? Didn't yell at her, didn't say back. I just gave her the backhand signal. She whirled right around and she was out of sight. 
for a good 15 minutes. And I'm wondering what the hell is going on back there? Is she chasing muskrats and dicking around and what the hell is she doing? You know, and Jim Riddle hunted with me 23 opening duck seasons was with me. And he says, we better go after her. And I said, let's give her a chance. Let's give her a shot. He said, you're giving her 15 minutes. All of a sudden she appears on the, on the, on the bank duck in her mouth looks around to see where the hell she is because she's not sure she finally (laughs) sees the boat i give her a tweet on on, i i use an acme whistle and i know tyler uses an acme whistle i give her uh come come tweets on the whistle she bails into the water with this with this drake mallet in her mouth hits the current winds up 50 yards down from my boat runs (laughs) up the mud and gets back to me this whole thing probably took this whole thing probably took at least a half an hour oh man and she but she was always in great shape i got another story about my daughter walking the sidewalk uh mallard went out my daughter doesn't control dogs right nestle said i can get i can get that mallard it was a hen mallard and she was faking like she was hurt with a hurt wing she was she was fine she was typically okay they get to the middle of the Mississippi River above the lock and dam. Oh. That bird flies off, and now Nestle's in the current. The gates are up. She gets swept through the 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 the, the, the lot the dam. She gets swept oh. through the dam. My daughter is crying. She's on the phone. She didn't have a cell phone. She had to run to a friend's place. I she said, Dad, Nestle is going through the dam. That's all I heard. I took off for the dam. I got to the dam. There was a towboat in the lock. I got in the lock chamber and I said, my dog is right out there coming. She just went through the dam. I said, I, oh, and I'm standing, in the back of your, I'm standing in the back of his boat. I'm yelling at Nestle and I'm whistling at Nestle and she is out of gas, man, because she has been in that water now, swimming after that duck and now going through the, uh, through, through the dam itself, through the gates. She'd have drowned if the gates were in. It was spring and it was high water and so the gates were up, if you know what I'm talking about with the lock yep. dam. Yep. Anyway, the guy said, hey, you get her here, and we'll get her on board for you. A shipmate grabbed this guy's ankles. He went over the side of his boat. He grabbed this 75-pound animal, and he said, I got her. And, he, and the other guy on deck hoisted the guy and the dog on the deck, and they all flopped, they all flopped <laughs> exhausted on the deck. About then, there were about 15 or 20 people that had gathered to watch this thing play out because – they heard the cries and the screams and they heard the electricity of the moment and yeah. the word traveled and there were people all over. And when Nestle came aboard that boat, everybody was clapping, including yeah. me. Was Sick. I ever happy? <laughs> oh yeah. My God. So that, that wasn't a biology experiment then, huh? Oh my God. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, no, you know, most That's experiments I did were again. pretty tame compared to that. <laughs> Man, you're lucky she was in as good a shape as she was. You know, Nick, I'm glad you recognized that. Uh, my dogs were always in really good shape, and uh, she was very fit. Yeah. And have she, had she not been fit, she, she, she wouldn't have been able to swim, and she'd have drowned. She really would have. <laughs> dogs can drown. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's scary. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's kind of three stories about my dogs. Man. <laughs> Round of applause. Those were great. <laughs> <laughs> got me got me all hyped up over those you know oh. i heard you guys talking about um first aid kits on one of your podcasts yeah, yeah. great podcast guys my dog uh um spike got his paw and i i i tell i've told nick this many times got his paw in a uh uh two 220 conibear. bear and uh yeah, you know that's a that's a coon trap right and uh, my friend, um, um, Sass, Mike Sass, got to Nestle before I did. And Nestle doesn't know who's what. She just, not Nestle, uh, Spike, just knows that he's got a lot of pain. And he was biting at anything he could bite, right? Yeah. And when Mike got down there, he could see that the dog was going to turn around and snap at him. He took his coat off and put it over his head. Yep. That is a good uh, thing a good to remember. Tip. Yeah. If uh, that ever happens to anybody, take and cover your dog with a coat so that he can't hurt you. All he knows is he's in pain and he's yeah. snapping at the closest thing because he's hurting. 
Yep. Fortunately, that trap had rusted springs and it didn't break any of his bones in his legs. It, uh, it uh, opened up the flesh just a little bit, but not bad. Mm. That's wow. so that's a, that was a great podcast on uh, a first aid kit. I always carry yeah. one. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, too many times I think Tyler and I both uh, up until this year just wing it and go and we don't even think about, you know, what could yeah. happen. It's just let's do it. So, yeah, no, that's, that's, <laughs> that's good advice there too. I have to apologize. I see my glasses are glaring back. <laughs> No worries. It's all right. like a monster. Um, so take it just, you know, one quick step further, and then obviously I'd love to get back into the stories about some Canadian geese and things of that nature. But uh, Saskatchewan? Yeah, but Saskatchewan, before sure. we get there, can you just give us a quick rundown? You know, you did not use an e-collar, which I know I use one, Tyler uses yeah. one, and so many, I think most every hunter does nowadays. Maybe a few don't, but – I would say 95% of everybody does, you know, so how, how was that and how like the challenging aspect of that? I mean, that had to be <laughs> repetition, 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 obviously. You know, e-collars have resulted in such good dogs these days at a quicker rate. Yep. Um, let me just tell you that I think that correctable moments need to be done at the moment, not later. Yep. And I'm talking not four or five minutes later at right now, you yep. need to do it immediately. It has to be immediate mm -hmm. because it's more meaningful to the dog to be corrected in a correctable moment. Yep. And so e-collars are a tremendous tool, absolutely unbelievable. And it's something that I definitely would have used. I will say this, when e-collars first came out and it was toward the time when my knees were bad and I was cutting back on training, I just couldn't do it. There wasn't a lot of people, there weren't a lot of people that really knew how to use them. They just wanted to zap their dog. Yep. And a lot of, and, and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you. I saw this dog tw uh, quite a few times and, and we, I trained with him, and it was a male, and it was a lab, and he was a, he was a big, a big, he was a lot like Diesel, yeah, uh, heavy goer, and uh, and wanted to get it done right. That winter, I didn't train with that dog, and the next time I saw that dog was at a uh, a training session uh, the next April. That dog was so mean you couldn't reach down to take and pet him. And the reason is because the e-collar had changed that dog's personality into an into into what I would call a mean dog. Yeah, that's sad. So that is hunter ignorance and uh, a lack of respect for animals, and yeah. and and that doesn't happen often. But in the wrong hands, e-collars can be a really bad tool. That's kind of what I'm getting at. But yeah. ninety-nine percent of the time, yep. e-collars are a great tool for hunters and that's just outstanding. So to, to answer your question, Nick, basically an e-collar is used for a correctable tool. Yep. You know? Mm -hmm. And so you can't call your in the old days when we didn't have e-collars, you can't call your dog back to correct them or, or they aren't gonna come back after a while. Yeah. <laughs> oh I'm not going back there. He's gonna punish me or he's gonna yep. correct me or you know. So yep. you had to hoof it out where the dog was to correct him on the spot where he was and and to correct whatever he did wrong, whether he got up went after, after you had give him a sit's whistle or whatever, he got up and started moving. You got to get out there. Yeah, absolutely. and so it saved all kinds of of footwork. You know, mm -hmm. that's really what it was. And other than that, um, yeah, you you need a partner to train. I think um, not makes it not easier. always, but boy, it's great to have a partner to train. Uh, because you can help each other with things and you can you can bounce things off each other to see what's going on and what if this works or that works and and you can come up with ingenious ways to take and do different kinds of training which is oh, so much fun sure. yeah for sure yeah. yeah so uh that's that's great it's hard to believe that you you know back in the day thinking of this no e-collar training that you know, I was in pretty good shape too because I had a dog that didn't listen. I had, <laughs> <laughs> had to hook it out there. 
Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, anyway. So tell us about, you know, I guess some of your favorite hunts. I know you've been to, God, you've been to Saskatchewan, you've been to North Dakota, uh, you've done duck, goose. I think you've even done some snow goose from what I can remember. You've shot cranes, uh, pheasants. Uh, you know, I've had a great turkey hunt. Give us a couple of your favorites. What are your favorites? I mean, there's a lot of them. I know you've hunted for, how many years would you say you've been hunting? 1957. 19, oh yeah, that's what you did say. 1957. 12 years old. Yep. 60, 63 years. Wow. Damn. <laughs> You know, you build up a few experiences and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and some very special moments that are close to your heart, yeah. Tyler, That's and, right. you know, with that, yeah. with that many years. And uh, I, I want to start out by saying one of the best hunts I ever had was with, with Nick here. And it wasn't with dogs. It was with turkeys. Yeah. And we pulled the, we pulled, we had, we had these two gobblers and we did a hell of a job called them right into us and it was like an arcade they were right in walking right across in front of us they were head to ass and 30 yards i don't know if it was 30 but it was close maybe closer yeah, than that maybe yeah. and uh nick said on three and we both pulled the trigger at the same time and two big toms went down and <laughs> they both had uh over 10 inch beards and they had uh yeah, books big. that were an inch and an eighth yep and they so they were big birds. so that was i want to start out with that nick yeah, no, that was, but do you remember when we were scouting those birds and we had to yep. lay down in the hayfield? Yeah. Because they flew on a ridge right above us. And I'm talking, I'm talking, we buried our heads in and we could. <laughs> Elf, I mean, Elf. Yeah, the birds were, I would say, 15 yards away from us walking on this ridge and we just laid down and didn't yeah. move. And yes. all we had was our, like our camo hats on and we just laid there and they walked right by us. And I was like, holy shit. That was as much fun, almost as much fun as shooting them. <laughs> yeah, because we had to lay there for a good half hour before we could get out of there. They were just oh, hanging yeah. out. We there. didn't want to bust them, you know. Uh -uh. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know where to begin. I had another hunt with uh, a good friend of mine. He had just bought a brand new pistol. Um, he invited me to come out coon hunting. I'd never coon hunted in my life. I, I'm always I like to think outside the box, <laughs> and uh, I thought I'll go coon hunting, but I didn't carry a gun. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't carry a gun. I just wanted to go with him. He had this brand new revolver. I mean, it was, a, it was just unbelievable. The first thing that happens, we're walking down a cow lane. He takes off on a dead run, and I hear bang. He come, we, and it was a full moon. He said, it's not going to be very good tonight. We've got a full moon. Well, the next thing I know, he's running as hard as he can run down this cow lane, <laughs> shooting something, and he shot a skunk. He comes back, and he says, well, I don't know what I don't know if this is going to be a very good night, full moon. But he said I got a skunk. Well, <laughs> as it turns out, quick story: he shoots eleven coon, <laughs> and he pays. And at that time, coon hides were thirty dollars plus. Oh, and oh, he pays wow. for his gun, and takes Catherine and I out to dinner. <laughs> well, that was nice. And yeah. It was, it, it, but we were standing by a cornfield. And at the edge of a cornfield and listening, he had a dog. Um, it was a mountain cur, man, and that darn thing. We, to stop hunting that night, we had to take and put him on a leash because he was putting coon up everywhere we were going. That's it was geez. one of those, it was just one of those nights where the, where the game was, the, the, you know, it was active. Well, we're standing by the edge of this cornfield listening to the dog howl and bawl and what, he was on a track. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we hear something in the corn, just rattling the corn stalks, just rattling the corn stalks. And it's getting closer. And I'm going, what the heck? <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, maybe I better move. And about that time, three rows away, the biggest damn buck you ever saw come running out of that <laughs> doggone cornfield. <laughs> Somebody else's dog right on his heels. It wasn't our dog. <laughs> scare, the scare the bejesus out of us. You know? It's dark out, you know, the doggone... <laughs> Buck comes busting out of the cornfield. I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, uh, yeah, I could hilarious. tell you about that's, a lot of different That's stories. funny because Nick almost got ran over by a deer. Was it last year? We were hunting uh, pheasants, and we yeah. had one rooster kick up, and we were focused on that. And next thing you know, this doe just comes running <laughs> straight towards Nick. And Brian only missed him by like three yards. <laughs> 
Oh yeah. man. That well, great. I'll get to the Saskatchewan stories and we'll call it good, but um, I had, I have some friends that invited me to go to Saskatchewan hunting and um, well, <laughs> they talked a different language than me. They were all about 25 and 30 years old and I'm about late 60s. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't understand, you know, they're talking all this uh, computer stuff in a different language and I just don't understand. But anyway, they invited me along and I have to tell you, they are some of the most skilled and knowledgeable people of, that are waterfowlers that you'll ever run into. They are the most generous people that you'll ever run into. They are kind and thoughtful. Um, we had, an experience up there, and I'll just get right to it. It was a bad experience. One of the guys was going to go off uh, to get to the other side of this big, and it was a big, huge pothole. Yeah. And you could see highline wires, and so he just, I, you know, just aimed for a highline. He got out there, got lost, run yeah. out of battery in his cell phone. Um, we didn't know where the hell he was. Um, we couldn't get to him. We were shooting our shotguns off. He would run out of ammo. He couldn't hear us because of the way a, um, a bowl is. The sound kind of comes from different places. Yeah. And it was beginning about twilight, about like now. And we were going to send somebody 911 to town and we we're gonna get some help from firemen and people to go looking. Yep. One of the guys had a blaze orange hat. We're waterfowl hunting. Why he had a blaze orange hat, I don't know. But we, and we also had an ATV up there and we take this ATV, we get out there, we get on top of the ATV, we take and uh, uh, we got a gun, we take and put that blaze orange hat on top of this gun, and I'll be darned if he didn't see that. Oh, wow. He saw that blaze orange hat. <laughs> and um, he yelled. Um, but we, could, we didn't know if it was him that we could hear or not. As it turns out, we were yelling back and he was getting closer then, and it took him a long time. He was wet from head to toe. Uh, the potholes up there are hard pans, so you can walk on, walk on them for the most part. They're not muddy, sludgy. They're pretty good, so he could walk, kind of, until he got to the cattails, and it was a bitch. But that was a bad experience, but we got him out of there. Man. But um, I can tell you that um, typically 100 birds in a day is considered a trophy day. I don't know how many times we've done that. We've killed over a hundred birds in a day's time. Easy, easy peasy. That is uh, I'm talking five or six guys. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm talking about a migration in North America that is second to none and you'll never see unless you go to Canada and see this waterfowl migration. There isn't a time in the day that you can't look up in the sky and see a bird flying. Oh man. And uh, the size of the flocks are wow. incredible. I don't want you to think that I'm a, I'm a game hog. Numbers don't mean anything to me. I'm saying those numbers just to let you know that it's an, inc it's an incredible amount of birds up there. And if you do it right, like these guys have taught me how to do it, mm -hmm. it, is, yep. it is something that you will never, ever forget. Layout blinds, camouflage, dogs. And stop and think about the number of retrieves your dog gets. When you shoot a hundred, yeah. we shot 136 yeah. birds one day. Oh, geez. <laughs> Holy shit. 136 birds. It, 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 I can't, I've got a picture of that. I might've shown it, but it took me a half an hour to take and put them in. I, I put them in a, hunt, a one, three, six, and then got on top of a, of a pickup truck and took a picture. Yep, down. That's insane you know? amount of birds. And, uh, but the trophy for me, Nick probably knows the trophy for me are sandhill cranes. Yep. Uh, you you can shoot all the ducks and all the geese you want. Uh, I even shot a grouse up there one day, one time. We're just this place is just south of the boreal forest, and it's where agriculture just starts. And so it's pea fields, and um, barley and wheat, and uh, in those fields there's sinkholes and there's huge white-tailed deer, and lots of coyotes and stuff. But Okay, so so Saskatchewan is a is a you know uh, I forgot it's an Indian name that means um, 
sky full of birds or something like that is what mm. Saskatchewan means. I don't have that wow. right, but if you look it up, you can find out what that means. And it's, it's true. Yeah. And the people up there, the people are just so hospitable, so pleasant. You go in for a cup of coffee, you're not going to get out of there for an hour. You're going to sit down at the table and they're going to, they're going to shoot the shit forever. Yeah. Uh What's really neat is sometimes these, if it's, if it's snow geese, you take a look out in this field from a distance, like you're traveling the gravel roads, you're scouting maybe or whatever, and you see rows of white and you think, what the heck are these rows? It's all the snow geese that are following the wheat that's been windrowed. They're on the windrows eating all, eating all the, eating all the grain. And when the farmers take huh. that grain to market, it's got so much poop in it that they won't take it. They'll, <laughs> they have to send it, they'll send it back until the guy is able to screen out the poop. Uh, and so they <laughs> want you there hunting. Yeah. yeah. That is crazy. Yeah, the people wow. of Saskatchewan are wonderful, wonderful people. Hmm. Yep. Sounds wow. like we might have to do that someday, Nick. Yes, we might have to. Yeah, you only need 700 decoys and. <laughs> Looks like we're gonna have to go through a guide. Self-guided. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, I believe it is. Well, it's a challenge it's a... of being successful. I mean, that's why we like going to South Dakota and going all public land and doing it ourselves. And just yeah, the next time I'm on, Nick knows about it, and so do you, Tyler. As North Dakota, we're going to go up there December, you know, late December. Yeah. Hopefully, you guys can maybe find yeah. some time. But that's my next time. It's pheasant hunt. And yep. we got 1,500 acres up there, all private. Oof. Yeah. Nobody hunts it. <laughs> that time of the year, it's pretty windy. You know, yeah. I don't like that. You don't know what yeah. the weather's going to do. I don't like that. Yeah. Nope. But the crops are out of the field. That's a good so, thing. The birds will be sitting tight. The birds will be sitting tight, usually, if it's cold and a little windy. Well, I think they'll be spooky as hell. Well, I don't know. We'll find out. That's right. You will find out. Yeah. Tart, tart. It's hard to say. I've been blessed. The wife has been very understanding in allowing me to take and do do the hunting that, and stuff that I've done. Yeah. So I give Catherine a whole lot of credit. Hey, I love your hats, hey, guys. You need a wife like that. Hey, yours looks good. Yeah, you got it. You can't yeah, see it. You're in too. the dark here. <laughs> nice. We like it. They're comfortable. There it is. Cool there hat. There it is. So. All right. <laughs> Thanks for letting me be a part of uh, of what you do, guys. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. We listen to your stories for hours. Yeah, we could. We'll have you on again sometime, Sorensen. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Informal and ex- gets it, the listeners excited. Gets me excited just hearing you. Yeah. Uh, greatly appreciate it. As always, flush them and dust them, guys. Thanks, Sorensen. Have a great night. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Later. <laughs>